This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 493 of the Stable Scoop Show. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. Our sponsors this week are Purina Mills, Horse Lovers, and Epona Products. This week's rest of the scoop is Literacy in Their Packs by Biz Stam. And we speak with Chrissy Joy and Beasley, the 2018 Stunt Dog Champion. Listen in. Well, this is Glenn Geek, and welcome back to the Stable Scoop Show on the Horse Radio Network, the Horse Radio Network's flagship show and one of the horse world's oldest running podcasts. Well, we want to thank everybody who tuned in over the weekend for our Road to the Horse coverage, which is why this episode is a tiny bit late. Uh, it was terrific coverage. Coach Jen of the Horse Tip Daily Show and Tara Carter of our Western episode and Horses in the Morning did a terrific job. They spoke for six and a half hours straight doing the co- coverage of the finals on Sunday. If you missed all of that, go to Horses in the Morning podcast feed and you'll find all the episodes there. You can take a listen. It was an exciting competition. Today, though, we have for you uh, a terrific story written by Biz Stam, another one of her great stories in the rest of the scoop. And, you know, this one was very interesting for me because I do love history, and I didn't know anything about this. So it was a very interesting story you're going to hear. And then we talked to one of our good friends. She's been on the show before. Horse trainer turned dog trainer becoming quite popular in the dog training and TV world. And she just won the 2018 Stunt Dog Championship at Purina Farms. We're going to speak with Chrissy Joy. Uh, We tried to speak with Beasley, but he didn't have much to say. So we'll be doing that right now. After this word from our title sponsor, Purina. Did you know how to tell if your horse is a senior? If you guessed age, you'd be wrong, because not all horses age at the same rate. So how do you know your horse has entered their golden years? Well, you might notice gray or white hair around the eyes and muzzle, weight loss, low energy, decline in dental condition, or a choppier gait due to aches and pains. If any of these describe your horse, he or she might be a senior, and it might be a good time to start him or her on Purina Equine Senior, or Equine Senior Active Horse Feed. They both have Active Age, a proprietary prebiotic proven through years of research to support a senior horse's aging immune system. With Purina Equine Senior, greatness never ages. To learn more, visit purinamills.com backslash activeage. That's purinamills.com backslash activeage. Literacy in their packs by Biz Stam. The Great Depression hit the United States like a sucker punch. Black Tuesday, October 29th, was the day the stock markets crashed. It was an unexpected blow, leaving no time to brace for the enormous impact to come. That sudden blow triggered a cascade of events that caused the gross domestic product to drop by 15%. Seemingly overnight, millions went from comfortable to destitute, trading grand hopes and dreams for the mere chance of survival. While the entire world suffered immensely during this time of declining prosperity, the rural Appalachian region of eastern Kentucky was particularly hard hit. Coal country. The rocky terrain and long distance from major cities left the residents of these mountain towns cut off from society at large. Their school systems were underfunded, and the lack of libraries left books far out of reach for most. The traveling libraries that traversed the rest of the state couldn't make it through the rugged terrain. As a result, 31% of the population in eastern Kentucky couldn't read. 
During this period of economic hardship, the promise of coal-powered industrial jobs providing a path to prosperity was fading in the Depression-era economy, and the poor soil quality on the rocky hillsides made farming impossible. The residents of these isolated mountain towns slowly started to realize that education was the key to escaping poverty in this changing world, but it was hard to become educated without books. In 1933, new legislation was proposed by Franklin D. Roosevelt and Congress. This legislation would focus on the three R's, relief for the poor, recovery for the economy, and reform of the financial institutions. This piece of legislation was called the New Deal. The New Deal included many public works programs that provided jobs and income to the unemployed, and it was one of these programs that was finally able to bring books to eastern Kentucky. They called them book women, or book ladies, but to the residents of those rural coal mining towns, they might as well have been angels. Young women carrying bags of reading material would arrive with a new book, a kind word, and a few invaluable moments of companionship to these isolated households. While initially the townspeople were suspicious of the women bringing strange literature to their homes, they eventually came to eagerly await their arrival. Makeshift libraries were established in donated building space at the base of the foothills. The libraries would gather any and all donated reading material they could get their hands on, from textbooks to tattered magazines to newspaper clippings, recipe cards. They were all items to be added to the library inventory. The librarians were loaded up with a pack full of miscellaneous reading materials and sent up the mountains. Adventure books, mysteries, and westerns were some of the most popular items carried by the bookwomen. Illustrated children's books were highly sought after as well. Over time, demand for new reading material grew. Eventually, they could no longer sustain the program on donated material alone. Local parent-teacher organizations and Boy Scout troops raised money by encouraging residents to donate a penny apiece. With the increased funding, they were able to supply 30 of the small foothill libraries that serviced over 100,000 residents. So how did these young women traverse the rocky hillsides of coal country when no one else could? Their official title was Pack Horse Librarians. While many of the Appalachian towns were inaccessible by motorized wheels of an automobile, it turned out that four sure-footed hooves piloted by a determined woman could traverse this treacherous terrain. The book ladies, atop the backs of horses or mules, would make their way into the mountains, carrying the key to literacy in their packs. These were not leisurely trail rides. The librarians rode 100 to 120 miles per week, often through incredibly harsh conditions, over rocky embankments, through icy creeks, and in weather so cold their feet would frequently freeze to the stirrups. Most of the librarians rode their own horses, donating the beasts of burden to lighten the load of a struggling nation. The Pack Horse Library Service ended in the early 1940s when funding for the program dried up. But the legend of the Pack Horse Librarians lives on to this day. It is inevitable in life that obstacles will arise. But stories like that of the Appalachian book ladies remind us that destinations that can seem inaccessible can sometimes be reached on the back of a horse. Literacy in Their Packs was written by Biz Stam, who is a writer for Horse Nation. You can find more of her articles over at horsenation.com.
Well, I have a very special guest for you today, one of Jennifer and I's good friends. Her name is Chrissy Joy. She was on the show October 29th of 2017, episode 479, talking about how she went from horse trainer to dog trainer and is now doing TV and commercials and films and has this terrific rescue dog named Beasley. Well, she just won with Beasley the 2018 Stunt Dog Championship, and we had to talk to her and find out how all that went down. And this is Chrissy Joy. Hi, Chrissy Joy. Thank you so much for coming back on the show with us. Hi, Glenn. How are you? Uh, good, but you're much better because you <laughs> and Beasley are now the National Stunt Dog Champions of the whole United States. How cool is that? That's, that's right. We uh, didn't expect to go that far, but we're so excited and grateful. Um, it was quite the experience. We've been practicing since probably around September. Well, you got to go out to one of our sponsors' farms, and that's Purina Farms, which is a beautiful place to begin with. Um, and you, it, and that's in Missouri, isn't it? It is. It's in Gray Summit, Missouri. Um, it's a, that facility is just unbelievably gorgeous. It is. It could have been better for the event there. Well, tell us about what do you do? And this was different because I watched the video twice now. So this is a different kind of competition. It's almost like a kicked up freestyle. And, uh, but it actually was kind of like storytelling too. So tell us what happens in a, in a stunt dog comp championship like this. Absolutely. It, um, you know, it, so we do trick training. So dogs learn tricks. Um, and so we really enjoy that, that way of training our dogs and, having uh, people just kind of get out there with their animals, their dogs, and treating, you know, teaching them different kind of tricks. However, stunt dog is something new all on its own. And it's not just about can you do tricks with your dog, it's can you perform in front of a live studio, a live audience. So um, your showmanship counts, your technical difficulty counts, uh, the props you use, do you use the entire stage, does it have a good message? All of this is judged. Yeah, because you're talking during the whole thing. You are talking, which is unusual. That's right. what you don't see very often. You're actually you telling a story. I am, and not everybody has to do that. Some people didn't have a story at all. Um, but you have to, when you get there, you have to compete through four different levels before you can even do a championship skit like that. So first you have to pass those levels. If you pass those, then you can do your champion skit. Um, and so we had to work our way up for the couple of days that we were there. Uh, Is that like the, the compulsories in, in skating? You have to do the compulsory things to get to the, to the freestyle then at the end? I would say that's probably very similar. Um, you know, working away from novice level to something called professional level. So there's mm -hmm. the easy to the more difficult. And, um, and then your champion skit, you do in front of us that are qualified. And then you hopefully qualify to be a part of the six finalists. And if you are, then you compete for the very top crown another whole other day dedicated just to the finalists. So that was, um, that was pretty exciting. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> so how yeah. long did it take you to, the skit's very long too, by the way, the final skit is, yeah. it lasts what, five, it had to be more than five minutes. So the rule is it has to be between four and seven minutes. So you cannot go over seven minutes. Mine ran right around 6.15, I think, um, which was actually, I was running into about six minutes and 30 seconds, which made me nervous because if you mess up and you need more time, you don't have a whole lot of buffer room. Mm -hmm. 
So some people were closer to four or five minutes. Mine was a little bit on the longer side, just because I have a lot more elements um, that I had. And then Beasley's not a super fast dog. So some of our stuff isn't going to be as whipper snappy as you might see a Border Collie do it, which is fine. Um, everyone does their own skits differently. Ours just tend to be a little bit more on the uh, longer side there. But it's four to seven minutes. Um, you can use music. There are certain things you can do. certain things you have to do in every skit as far as even passing. You have to do a certain number of elements to even pass. And if you drop a treat, you're disqualified. So oh, really? there are some kind of the ground. Bye bye. You're disqualified. So wow. there, so there are actually some really strict rules you have to be aware of when you're in the ring. Um, that you know, if you're not used to it, it definitely it could take some practice to kind of be sure that you're all set. Well, tell us about Beasley. For those that didn't hear you on the show before, as I mentioned, uh, Chrissy Joy was on with us last year, October 29th, uh, episode 479, if you want to go back and take a listen to it. But tell those that ha- didn't hear the story of Beasley, where did he come from? Okay, so Beasley actually is uh, one of 14 puppies from a rescue. He's three now. I adopted him when he was probably 10 weeks old, so just a, just a mixed breed rescue. But I got him during a time when I really needed a dog back in my life. You know, I just um, got out of a job. I didn't really know which direction I was going into. And actually, you know, brought on a little bit of, I'll admit, depression. Um, I've also suffered from anxiety in the past. So I think my life was just calling to have a dog in it. And Beasley came in my life. And I hadn't done a whole lot of dog training other than just kind of stuff I enjoyed as a little girl. Uh, of course, you know, my background was horses. So I just was doing more horse training. Um, Beasley came in my life and and kind of sparked that ignition for loving to train dogs. I got into it at a couple of local classes and it kind of just grew from there. And he's wicked smart. And we kind of just started taking off from that point on. And now he's three, loves strict training. We love to hike. Uh, we love outdoor stuff as well. But I think his favorite avenue is agility and tricks for sure. Well, I think his mom's wicked smart too, by the way. Uh, oh, thank you. <laughs> so, so we all have our off days. <laughs> from the time you started training him to do, doing tricks with him when you got him to the time you won was how long? So the time I started training him is about 10 weeks to we started doing. So probably altogether, we've, I have consistently worked him for, I would say, about three years now. Oh, three years. Okay. Um, three years. We started, we went to a workshop, which then we learned about this. Um, trick dog competition in September. When we left in September, when I say we, I'm talking about BFF Pet Services. That's the facility I work with in Maryland. We decided we're going to go to Tridex, which is the national stunt dog competition in Purina, at Purina Farm. So we started putting skits together in September with hopes that we would get to that level, and we had no idea we would. Um, and then we just kind of started building a skit and choreographing and working on props. I mean, I worked on props for hours, just getting my props put together. You had a lot of props. <laughs> there was a lot of props. Yeah, a lot. Like a flag that actually, you know, the flag actually rises. And, you know, if you guys want to see it, feel free to go online. It's, um, it's yeah. online in a few different areas. And we'll share it, too. I'll give yeah. you that. We'll share yeah, I'll give you guys a link too. Yeah. Um, but th- some of the props are moving and they're mobile and there's a barrel that rolls across the floor and a kitchen, you know, refrigerator that opens and closes. So there's a lot of moving pieces. You have to be sure that it works and it's fluid and functional. And that took a lot, 
quite a few months to make sure the dogs were all affiliated and comfortable with it too. Well, and, and uh, for those that don't know, uh, Chrissy, like myself, uh, was an actor, and uh, yeah. that comes across the showmanship that you you showed in that. I, I just smiled because it's the Chrissy I know as the performer. So uh, that really came across there. It came across that you really have showmanship skills. And even in the story you wrote and the story you told and uh, the way you delivered it, it was it was the spokesmodel uh, coming to life. Right. It was, you know, I miss acting. I used to do it way more than, I, than now. Um, but I also love working with animals. It's two worlds I kind of like to keep my feet wet in. And I was so lucky. This is part of not something that may be my thing forever, but it is certainly something I'm going to enjoy is maybe doing some live stage performances. I found a lot of pleasure out of that. It was really fun to get the audience engaged, to see their reactions, to have some comedy involved um, with a strong message behind, you know, my performance was focused on people who may feel depression or feel bullying or feel different, um, that your dog loves you unconditionally. Dogs really do have the power to, feel, uh, I wanted to really drive that message home, which I think is valuable to not only adults, but children as well, especially, you know, children um, in those years that uh, formative years of their life. So I wanted to really drive that message home um, and make it something more special than just a, you know, funny live stage get uh, performance for the audience. I think, I think a lot of people appreciated that too. I think the judges Um, appreciated that. That came across. Yeah. Yeah, and I dedicated it to my cousin who unfortunately passed away this year. Um, he was 16, battled cancer since he was so young. I think he was eight years old. Um, fantastic, fantastic mind and soul on that kid. Uh, we miss him very much, but he, not only did he love his dog and love people around him, but he always wanted to live life to the fullest. And I think um, it was meant to be to dedicate this skit to him. And I swear he was there because the cards all just fell along right and... Um, and I had a lot of confidence going in. Uh, so I, I really feel that everything just worked. Like there was a plan and everything worked out really well. Well, and with a good plan comes a lot of work behind the scenes and yeah. a lot of time. And you put in the work and time to make it happen. Um, and then Beasley is just an incredible dog. I mean, he's just smart as a whip. And you can tell <laughs> Beasley's love for you. You could That came across so well. He just... He is so in tune with you and knows exactly what you're what you want, and that that was evident too. And you don't get that with just every dog. He's kind of a special dog. He really is. And you know, I have to say, before I went in, I started to get the whole sweaty palms and anxiety. You know, because you know, anxiety you definitely know the the highs and lows of it. Um, but there's a difference between anxiety and having just you know a little bit of nerves. But he noticed that sweaty oh. palms, the jittering foot that wouldn't sit still. And I swear, he was locked on me. Like, he refused to get away from my side. He kept putting his head in my lap. He kept pushing my hands. Like, he knew something was up. And I think when I took him in the ring, he recognized his props, and he recognized what we were about to work on. I swear, he was like, I got you, Mom. I got this. And he nailed everything. I mean, if you watch it closely, he even anticipated stuff. So while I'm talking, he grabbed the tissue before I even asked him yeah, to go get I it. That. He knew the next, he knew what was coming up next. And he was like, got it. And he was so accurate. I mean, I couldn't have asked for more. I ended up actually breaking down in tears as we stepped out just because he had me up everything. I don't even care if we were disqualified for something. He was on the ball for every move. 
So I really, I mean, I couldn't have asked more, more, more from him, and all of our practicing really paid off. It really did. It, it, it did come across. Now, when you do a test like this, is it like a dressage test where you get the judges' comments after where they say, ah, horrible stop, uh, horse ran <laughs> out of the ring, you know, things like that. Do you get comments like that? We do. Uh, we get constructive criticism. I didn't hear to So when we do the foundation levels, it's really nice because the, the judges will step in and say, good job, but you scored a little low here. And they'll, they'll break it down and tell you why. And it is like a dressage test. I mean, the foundation levels are laid out to you from A to Z. You'll see a lot of people, you know, how you walk the floor to remember your dressage test. People are walking the floor just to remember how to get through these foundation levels with their dog. Mm-hmm. It's everything from distance work, doing tricks at a distance. Your dog has to go to a specific mark. Your dog has to do certain things on a pedestal. There has to be um, hoop interactions where you actually have a hoop and your dog has to do certain things with an actual hoop to perform some tricks. So that's why you saw the hoop in my skit, because that was one of the things we had to include uh, in the champion skit. So it, there is a lot of planning by each individual person to make sure they can nail what they need to do to get through each level with hopes of getting up to champion. Um, there were like about 30 people qualified to be champion. So there was a really heavy load of awesome skits that came out. Everyone brought something different to the table, which is neat to see. Too. You get a lot of ideas. Um, different props that were utilized and created, um, which is kind of neat to see everyone's creativity come out. Uh, and in the end, we all supported each other. That's what I liked about the event. Everyone was there to help build each other up. It wasn't about tearing each other down or creating different sides. Everyone was really supportive, and I appreciated that. Well, good job. We, Jennifer and I are so proud of you. We really are. We've been proud of you Thank forever, you. but we're so proud of you <laughs> and Beasley. And people can follow Beasley because he has his own page, doesn't he? Yes, yes. Good Beasley is his Facebook page. will actually be on uh, set next week um, for Fox 5 News. Um, so then might air that in other areas as well. And I think we have another um, film crew coming out next week to do a couple interviews over at our facility that will probably be sharing that video too. And don't forget, there's the Road to Tridex videos that we got out to Tridex and making all these fun videos of us preparing. And they're pretty funny. Um, I watched so some of them uh, of you guys in the motorhome on your 20-some hour journey. <laughs> yes, yes. And it's very comical, very lighthearted. And we had some really uh, fun time making those as well. And it was 20 hours straight both ways in an RV, seven do- seven people and three dogs. So you can only imagine how crammed we were. Well, but we you, actually all did very well. Did you have a trailer to haul all the props? We did buy a trailer to haul the props, which is so funny that we actually did that, but we did. And thank goodness, because there was not enough room for those props under the RV. When we got there, when we got there at like 5 a.m. and we got a second RV delivered, but we got there and found out we had no water. So here we are expecting to have full hookup and it's freezing at 5 a.m. and we have no water. So we ended up having to use a bathhouse while we stayed there. And it changed the way our cooking went for the next couple of nights, but... Honestly, we all did great. I, we were so unsure how it would work out, but it was such a fun adventure for us, and I think we all kind of grew together more after it. Well, congratulations, girl. We're very proud. Thank you so much, Glenn. I'm so happy to be back on the show. I miss you guys a lot, and um, we'll see what this brings this year. We have a lot of fun things coming up, so I'll have to keep you posted. And one other place I didn't want to forget to say this, uh, you you have seen Beasley uh, for sure on a commercial, haven't they, recently? 
That's right. Yeah, the Chewy.com commercial. If you've seen the blue Chewy commercial of this adorable dog, um, his name is Beasley. Yeah, that's Beasley. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that would be Beasley. It's a really fun commercial. It's been airing internationally, and um, he was a very good boy. And we have a couple more projects coming out, and that includes being on television and uh, commercials. I bet you that commercial did get him some press, didn't it? Uh, I did not realize. I thought it was when I got there. I thought I was shooting something for a website. I had no idea it was this <laughs> enormous internationally sponsored commercial. Holy cow! Um, and I also just wanted to say a quick thank you. Um, now that I have you on here, we have some great sponsors, and I have to tell you guys, yeah, Back on Track is one of our sponsors. Oh, yeah. I just wanted to give them a shout out because a lot of people don't realize that they also have dog gear not just for horses and Beasley really, really needed that gear and, and did so well after wearing it. Um, he actually had a leg injury that I didn't really publicize, but he did. And that back on track gear, I swear made the world of a difference to him. Um, and we also have Kong and easy dog as well. And they're fantastic. We just are so proud to have them um, on our side and supporting us as we do all of our uh, performances and stuff. Well, none of us could do any of this without sponsors and back on track we've worked with for years. So, uh, you know, we don't They're talk great. about it much. They have people and, you know, animal products, uh, dog products. So we don't talk about that much, but uh, they probably sell more of those than they do horse products, actually. Yeah, I think it's new. So I think they want to start, you know, telling the public, hey, listen, we have more dog products and it's great. They fit great. They do the same kind of technology they do for the horses. And it makes a difference. Dogs are just can be just as athletic sort of athlete as a horse can in a different whole different realm so um it's important to take care of them you know if you expect a lot from your animal uh, you gotta you gotta treat them right too well thank you chrissy yeah you're so welcome glenn thank you epona takes great pleasure in bringing you products that are healthy sustainable and a welcome addition to the provisions of your barn the woodpicker hoof pick for example we ride through forests and across the green, through golden fields and crossings on rock and stream. My horse on good foot is paramount to me. Epona's woodpicker hoofpick is precise, you see. It's earthy and warm and so right in the hand, it whittles away rock, hard pack, and sand. Well, that's it for this week. Thanks again to Biz Stam for writing this week's story. We really appreciate that. If you would think you would like to write a story in the style that we do, kind of the rest of the story style, just drop me an email at glenn at horseradionetwork.com, and we can talk about it. It even pays a little bit if you want to help out there. And we uh, also have 17 other shows on the Horse Radio Network. Go to horseradionetwork.com. You can see them all or download our app, iOS or Android. It's free and it's easy to use. Thank you for listening, and happy scooping, everybody!